Valley. We'll talk to Mark Leslie, his head coach, to get a kind of a scouting report. Just listen to a coach talk about what Deshaun meant to that team this year, and they mm -hmm. went 23-3, and three, I believe, and Deshaun was their leader in so many categories. I mean, just I look forward to talking to someone, not to say that within our own program we, we get fair reports, and certainly in getting Mark Leslie on, he's going to give, I'm sure, very – uh, enthusiastic report on right. Deshaun, but still to get a perspective kind of outside our world a little bit, how we found him in the first place. Deshaun comes from the Bronx. That I know, Dominic, he's been in. Yeah. We have some open phones now until 1130. Tim Ewis will join us at 1205. So that's the lay of the land from a guest standpoint. Open phones until 1130. If any of you have any comments, Dominic, if you're listening now and you've been to Altoona or through it or by it, but more, Dominic, if you have a story relative to yesterday and the 90th for the great Willie Mays, I really enjoyed Ted Robinson yesterday. Oh, he, he was, was great. very good. The next time we talked to Ted, when he says he would just sit in the corner while Willie occasionally would just hold court, mm -hmm. the image of him in the clubhouse, and just when he'd sit down, and if people would come up to him, he wouldn't, he wouldn't just say, okay, I'm Willie Mays, and I'm yeah. gonna, it's story time, and I'm going to tell you stories about Leo DeRocher and Ralph Branca and Bobby Thompson and Don Newcomb, and <laughs> you know, here we go. Nope. If somebody asked, maybe a vein would open and off he'd go, but there were times that Ted just sat there in awe of Willie telling stories about the great game and his place in it. When did he start? What was 1951 his was his rookie year. What was the biggest name player? who was wrapping up their career in 1951, or in that time Joe zone. DiMaggio. <laughs> Did he play against DiMaggio's final year was 51. Wow. Yes. And and Ruth was done in the 30s, right? Final game was in 1935, yes. Hmm. We have open phones if you'd like to jump in with anything. 497-5356. Dominic, if you're listening today, Dominic remembers the debates in New York. About Willie, Mickey, oh, and the Duke. Man. And I don't know, Dominic, if you saw all three play in person in those days, but the the debate was lively because you know I mean Willie eventually settled it through longevity staying healthier, but for a while when all three were in their prime in the fifties, it was a hot debate. Who's the best? That may be Dominic himself. We have open phones. We're going to get to them before we visit with Mark Leslie, the head coach for Deshaun Davis at the community college level, Tim Ewis at 12.05, and at 12.30, somebody from Bowie, Maryland, to talk about Adley, Caden, and company in Adley's 2021 season, the event last night in Altoona. So I assume this was Paul answering the call. Yes. Okay, and then we go to Dominic. Paul, have you been to, through, in Altoona? <laughs> I can't even tell you how many times, man. My <laughs> really? It's from a little town, little town called Houchdale that is in between Altoona and State College. Okay. Wow. That gives me some sense <laughs> of we, it, yeah. And we had a our uh, wedding reception, because I got married out here in Oregon, but we had a wedding reception at the Holiday Inn in Altoona. Oh, my God. See, there's, there you a, there's go. a connection No matter everywhere. what you bring up, Paul Rents married in a little town in New York, yeah. honeymooned in Altoona. No matter the obscurity of the town, <laughs> yeah. we've always got somebody in the Beaver Nation world who's been there. Well, and it's actually Altoona is halfway between Harrisburg and Pittsburgh. 
it's like two hour drive to Pittsburgh from Altoona. Okay. And then it's about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes to uh, Harrisburg from uh, Altoona. And uh, State College is only 45 minutes from Altoona. Okay. So Did you? It's literally right in the center of yeah. the state, a little bit on the south side, but east to west, it's in the middle of the state. Wow. Did That's... you ever have a, actually have a, a run through there while you're driving a truck? Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually got back there and I actually loaded coal and I loaded all sorts of stuff in Pennsylvania. I mean, I've loaded Philadelphia and uh, central Pennsylvania there and it's, you know, hauled apples back there. Yeah, I've been all over Pennsylvania, actually. Small world. Paul, anything else while while you're on? Thank you for helping to fix that somewhat in our minds. Anything else that you'd like to share today before we talk to Dominic about Willie Mickey and the Duke? Well, you know, I was never into baseball because we didn't. I didn't really have a radio when I was growing up. You know, a radio of my own. But uh, I want to tell you that yesterday's show was one of the best you guys have ever done. Thank you for that, Paul. Yeah. Uh, did did, did you enjoy great. the Ted Robinson stories? Oh, immensely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's just amazing how how a guy like that can just sit back and just absorb what he's hearing. I mean, that's. <laughs> That's the, yeah. the mark of a true journalist, you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Paul, thank you. Great to hear from you again, as always. Thanks for that. Yeah, that yesterday was really – we've talked to Ted about a million things. Yeah. And even yesterday, he was glad, I could tell, to talk about Wayne and the Beavers and their run and how yeah. 100 sounded like 10,000 in Vegas, the Tinkle family making all that noise, and how happy he was for Wayne and the run. But yesterday we talked to Ted about things we'd never really touched on before. The Willie Mays stuff. And like Paul was saying, I was thinking while he was talking, you're not going to get this on too many shows because you get the one guy who's been around long enough who, you know, absorbed it all in. We've never talked to Ted Robinson about Willie Mays. We have not. Sit there and tell stories. What do you remember? We didn't even get into a specific. Well, sit there and tell stories. What do you remember? We didn't even get into a specific. Specific. Well, was there one that? Oh, wow! That's that was a well, good story. And the anecdote, <laughs> I, I just threw it out there because you, you come across people that this happens with. The anecdote of the, you know, anyone young not oh, knowing yes. Willie, who he is and his greatness. I went home and looked up Juan Pierre, and it's interesting when he broke in with Colorado. Pierre was he kind of captivated the scene. I'd forgotten about. I remembered now that I looked back. Oh yeah, and this guy had a good career. Yeah. But Willie saw something in Juan Pierre. That made Willie say to Ted, can you go over and introduce me to that guy? And Pierre, not to have the proper sense, and he's from he's from Alabama, I think Mobile, Alabama, Willie McCovey, Hank Aaron country, I believe. Wow. And for him not to, you want to meet me? You know, I mean, I should yeah. be baptized of you. I mean, it's that type of what, you want to meet me, Mr. Mays? And he's just, oh, yeah, cell number, yeah, okay, well, nice to meet you, old, guy, old man. Uh, yeah. yeah, I may call you, I don't know. Months, I mean, months later, everything? No, yeah, I lost I, the number. I, just, wow. I found that, I found that disappointing. I did, too. In a sense I think, I think about, Ted did, too. Yeah, about Juan Pierre. Yeah. Dominic, thank you for answering the call. I want to ask you about selfless <laughs> servings before we're done. But okay. Willie, Willie, Mickey, and the Duke in the 50s, I don't want to date you too much, but was that a lively debate that you recall? <laughs> well, I was born in 1950, so I don't mind you dating okay. me. Um, but, yeah, no, you know, grow, growing up in, 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 the, in the 60s, I, you know, the late, so the Dodgers, I was a big Dodger fan. The Dodgers left Brooklyn when I was seven. 
1957, and and I uh, my dad had a lot of connections around the Dodgers. He knew a lot of the Dodgers. Um, I think I mentioned to you before, Gil Hodges was a good friend of his. Yes. So I, I you know, my first first baseball experiences were at Ebbets Field um, as a little guy, right? But but they so they left when I was seven. Um, but, but we, you know, so around, around 60, 61, 62, when, you know, when my friends and I were old enough to really, um, have these kinds of discussions and things, you know, we, I mean, we would always just kind of talk about who's better, you know, flipping baseball cards. And, and, uh, of course we were all Yankee fans by then. And, uh, so, so it was always Nick for for us, but you know, but I loved, I, I just loved watching him play. I mean, he's so graceful and athletic and fast. You know, we used to love emulating the, the half flying off right. as he ran at second. Right. Um, and that kind of, that kind of thing. But yeah, the, the talk was always about who's, who's the better outfielder, you know, who's the better, who's the better player overall, you know, Mick, Mickey, his, his, his image, you know, that I still have is just big, big, strong guy swinging from the left side, mm-hmm. you know, striking out, <laughs> landing on his left, on his back knee, you know, and, uh, yeah. but really, you know, I, I really do. I, I, in fact, Mike, I just downloaded, uh, Hirsch's biography. Yes. Um, after reading that article yesterday, which I have a copy for you, I'll drop it off to you tonight. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, that, that was, uh, that was always the the big debate and discussion. You know, we don't have time here now, Dominic, to, to, you know, try to break down. Well, Mm -hmm. let's compare Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle for the rest. We've got other things we need to get to, but the one thing you mentioned, the strikeouts, Willie prided himself on not striking out. He could buy, I mean, and I think only one season, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but one year in which he struck out more than 100 times and he was embarrassed by it. He just thought, man, I better get out of the game if I'm going to strike out 100 times in a year. And Mickey didn't really, Mickey took, I mean, his home runs were longer than Willie's. You know, Mickey's home runs were probably longer than anybody that's ever played the game. And you mentioned the left side. The longest one he ever hit was from the right side, 565 feet. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, you know, his career was shortened, you know, by – by that devastating knee injury yep. early on. Yes. So, so uh, you know, what, what would that potential have been like had he not been injured like that? You think about so, that, Dominic, the injury that you're referring to, 51, the World Series of 51. Think about the three guys that were in that series, amongst others, DiMaggio, Mantle, and Mays in the World yeah. Series of 1951. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, imagine. Yep. Yeah. So, let, well, so, I look forward to further conversations on this, but you sort of took the mantle from Michaela with selfless servings. We've talked to you about it a little bit. You said it's kind of ebbed and flowed, but it's kind of flowing again <laughs> with a lot of busyness. Can you give us an update, Dominic, what's happening with selfless servings and how has it sort of evolved? Well, we have two. We actually have a delivery being made right now as we speak uh, up to Good, Good Samaritan. And, and one of the things that we decided we were going to do after the new year we was, uh, was to add um, first responders to our, our network of delivery people. 
Um, and, and so we have, a, we have an upcoming delivery this afternoon to uh, first delivery to the Corvallis Fire Department. And uh, that's going to happen at 2.30 this afternoon. And we're hoping to get, well, I know, uh, we're hoping to get some TV coverage Good. Uh, this afternoon. We, you know, we've got an interviewee coming from uh, KMTR down in Eugene. Mm-hmm. Um, donations have been coming in, you know, not huge, but, but they're keep. They're keeping things going, and, uh, you know, Michaela's in the loop. I, we, we don't hear from her often, but she uh, she receives, you know, any email we, we send to each other uh, among our group. We meet we meet on a Zoom call every Monday, and uh, so things are going pretty well, and we plan on keeping it going at least throughout this fall and, and uh, further. Excellent. So, hey, and Michaela's yeah. trying to make the roster, right, the, Men- the Minnesota WNBA roster, so she has a lot on her plate. She's still involved, which she can be. Are you hearing any reports on how that's going for her? No, an occasional uh, tweet uh, or Facebook post from her dad, and, and uh, she was in a photo the other day. Um, that was tweeted out, um, but uh, amongst, I mean, there were four or five players celebrating something on the court mm-hmm. and, uh, she, she was, uh, very clearly pictured in that, but no, not, nothing, uh, not, I don't have anything concrete okay. on what's going on for her. Dominic, last thing. Um, and that is when you say donations, it's what drives what, how, why you're able to do what you do. Uh, right. What's is it? Selflessservings.org, the best place to go to navigate. Uh, is there another way that people can yes. get involved? No, selflessservings.org, and you know people are always free to contact me, and you you can feel free to share my phone number and email with with folks. Uh, but selflessservings.org will uh, will will take you to the to the page, and I think every everything you need to know is there. Okay. Um, and then the last thing. Yes. Altoona, Pennsylvania. We, Barb and I have been through it. That's where Michael Conforto's family is from. Oh my gosh! Okay, well, his, his grandpa. Yeah, his dad grew up in Altoona. I didn't. I I knew they were from Pennsylvania, and that his dad had played football at Penn State. But I didn't know Altoona was the the hub of the the Conforto home. That's cool to know. Yeah, Grandpa Lou and uh, Grandma Regina from Altoona. Excellent. Thank you, Dominic, and I look forward to seeing you at the ballpark this weekend. Thanks for calling. Go Bees. Dominic, yeah, Dominic Cusimano jumping in on Willie Mickey and the Duke and Altoona and the Confortos and Paul. and It's just, it's all of a piece. What time do we got? It's amazing. 1130, okay, 11.28. So we'll take a break and come back with Mark Leslie, who used to coach at Treasure Valley, too, in the community college world. So, He's got a feel, went to the University of Idaho, a feel for our territory, good, so good. to speak. He does know the territory, and he knows Deshaun Davis. Coming to the Beavers from Trinity Valley, the head coach of Trinity Valley, next 1240 Joe Radio. Stargazer Premier Florist knows flowers are a beautiful way to make mothers feel loved and appreciated, especially now. And they're ready to help deliver them the best arrangement possible. Choose from Stargazer's wide selection of Mother's Day flower arrangements, and they'll deliver a beautiful, unique gift right on time. Stargazer is providing no-contact deliveries while maintaining cleanliness and health safety in the shop. So stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection of Mother's Day arrangements online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, located at 925 Northwest Circle Boulevard in Corvallis. 
Middleton Heating has served the Mid-Valley for over 72 years and is still here to help you 24 hours a day. Middleton can repair, replace, or maintain all types of heating and cooling equipment. AC causing you trouble? Need repairs or replacement? Give Middleton Heating a call. For new equipment, Middleton offers several financing options and participates in state, federal, and manufacturer incentive programs. And don't forget Middleton's custom sheet metal shop is still taking orders, large or small. You can count on Middleton for all your heating, cooling, and sheet metal needs. Online at middletonheating.net. COVID has changed a lot of things in our lives, and it can be hard for anyone. If you're struggling to cope, you don't have to go it alone. There's strength in reaching out. When you call the Safe and Strong Helpline, you can find support in your community. It's free and private, so your information won't be shared. Call 800-923-HELP to connect with someone who's ready to listen and who cares. That's 800-923-4357. We're stronger in community. Every Qdoba catering order is a fresh-made Mexican feast of hand-smashed, flame-grilled, sliced, diced, and sautéed flavors perfect for any occasion. Whether you're planning your office's Tortilla Tuesday, hosting a post-game party for your intramural dodgeball team, or trying to bring in a dinner for your PTA meeting that's so good, it'll bump your kid up to an A-minus in Spanish class. Qdoba Catering. Fresh, hot, easy, delicious. Order today. Right now at your local Domino's, you can carry out any size pizza with unlimited toppings for only $12.99 when ordering to carry out at the store, by phone, or online with a C12 code. Also, Domino's is now hiring for all positions. Domino's offers flexible hours, pay raises, and bonuses for managers and drivers leave with cash in their pocket after every shift. Apply online at Domino's.com or stop by the Domino's store in Monmouth, Staten, Lebanon, Albany, or Corvallis. Domino's, delivering oven-baked goodness since 1960. Is there ever a reason you wouldn't want to feel confident? (laughs) I didn't think so. At the Natty Dresser in downtown Albany, confidence is exactly what we want to inspire. When you wear quality clothing that fits you perfectly, you feel great and act with confidence. Don't just dress for where you are, dress for where you want to be. The Natty Dresser, purveyors of quality menswear on the corner of 2nd and Broad Alban Street in historic downtown Albany. Dress well, be confident, find success. We continue on You'll the like Joe it. Beaver Show. Mike Parker with John Warren. We have been so excited uh, for many months now about a young man named Deshaun Davis, uh, about the fact that through Kerry Rupp and others' efforts in the recruiting world, that this young man was going to be uh, coming from Trinity Valley Community College in Athens, Texas, and becoming an Oregon State Beaver and made that commitment uh, last fall. And with the other news coming in the transfer portal that Wayne Tinkle shared with us recently, there's just so much excitement building coming off of an Elite Eight run. And to see Deshaun Davis come into the mix, so excited about it. And I just thought it would be, uh, I think, helpful to us, instructive for us, to bring Deshaun's head coach from Trinity Valley, Mark Leslie, onto the Joe Beaver Show to give us his sense about what the Beavers are getting and who they're getting in this young man out of the Bronx, New York, named Deshaun Davis, who just had a spectacular season with Trinity Valley. And so head coach Mark Leslie is kind enough to join us, a, a gentleman who knows the territory and that he once coached at Treasure Valley, if I'm reading the, the resume and the biography correctly, Coach. Thanks for taking time for us here in the Mid-Valley in Oregon. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Thank you. It's an honor to be on the show. 
Thanks. Before we get to Deshaun, when were you at Treasure Valley? For how long? What what years or what time period, roughly? Well, you know, my Northwest uh, stage started in 93 when I played at the University of Idaho in Moscow. Mm -hmm. Uh, I played there from 93 to 95, and then I came to coach at Treasure Valley just one season. I want to say that was the 90. Eight ninety nine season, um, so that would have been yeah, that would have been ninety ninety eight ninety nine. I I was just there one year, then I moved to Weber State University the year after. Okay, and but your travels end end up bringing you to Trinity Valley, and you you became the head coach, I believe, last March. Is that correct? In March of twenty twenty, or was it before then? Uh, it was March of 2020. Okay. So, congratulations on that. I'm interested to know, Coach, how how you came upon Deshaun Davis, first of all, and then we'll talk about his game, character, and all of those things. But tell us a little bit of how you became connected with Deshaun in the first place. Uh, you know, the 22 years of, you know, college coaching, recruiting at, you know, the Division One and junior college level, you know, you build up ties and contacts. So, you know, we we had good friends out in New York that had gotten us and sent us great players in the past. And they just told us that this Deshaun would be the best of them all and that we had to take him. And, you know, a lot of pretty much every other junior college recruited him. Um, he had committed to Seton Hall out of high school but then he couldn't come, so we knew he was a three, at least a three-star guy, so we, we knew he had talent. Uh, but his ability to take coaching and adjust his, his, his style of play was remarkable, something I, I'm, I've never seen it before happen the way it did, but you know, he was a scorer, um, just pretty much unguardable score. But, you know, I noticed that he was also a high IQ kid who could pass the ball, so we moved him to the point guard, and things just started to excel. You know, he would post triple-doubles, double-doubles, triple-doubles, just like just a, a day at the office for him. His, his ability to make that – I made the same – transition from a scoring guard to a point guard when I got to the University of Idaho. And so I know how tough that is when you've been a scorer your whole life. Uh, but he made it pretty seamlessly and, and led, us, led our team this season to, um, I would say, we overachieved, and a lot of that was thanks to Deshaun. Um, but as a person, you also you be getting a great person, great young man. I know his best years are ahead of him, and I I believe he'll do great things here. Coach, we really appreciate you taking time for us to talk about Deshaun Mark Leslie, our guest on the Joe Beaver Show. Deshaun Davis is head coach at Trinity Valley. You made the phrase to make the adjustment to take to coaching, and you and you know from experience how. That's not easy. But I, I read, heard, saw he had a 21-assist game. I would say that's making an adjustment of sorts. 
Yeah, I think he, he had a four-game stretch this year where he might have went 21 assists, 16, 14, 11. And, you know, um, last year we needed him to score a lot more. And we had a four-game stretch last year where he scored between 30 and 40 points four straight games, also posting, you know, between eight and 12 assists. Uh, he's just, he, it's just incredible though, how he, he can flow in between the game. You know, if I, we had games this year where I would tell him in you know, middle of the first half, I'd say, you know, this game is going to be a game we need to score more. And he, just like flipping a switch, mm-hmm. he can just do that. And the majority of games I told him, you know, he needs to be a facilitator because scoring will come easy, but facilitating will make the other players excel more. So, you know, they can't key on you. So the majority of the year, that's what he did. He suppressed his scoring in order to make the players around him better. And that adjustment, you know, it's almost like pulling teeth to get a young man to do that. And, and I mean, it was so so hard with so many in the past, but with him, it was just easy. And, you know, I wouldn't even call it coaching. It was more about the young man. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of like, pulling teeth, Coach, how is he on the defensive side of things? Uh, he's, he's able to excel on defense just like on offense. I mean, when it's a key moment in the game, he's going to come up with the key steal. He's a solid defender, but, you know, we asked a lot of him to play 40 minutes most games, at least 37, 38 at a minimum. So we asked him to do a lot. And I would say his defense was good where I know it can be great because whenever we needed him, he would come up with that big steal or he'd come up with that big deflection or, to be honest with you, in key situations, he was the best rebounder too. Wow. And he just has been showing up when it counts, but definitely a solid defender. Solid defender, good rebounding. Now, when he's getting all these assists, is he just really good at setting people up? Are a lot of them coming in the transition game? Um what what uh, how does that make up his game when he's high in assists? I would say all of the above. I would say the key area would be just coming off pick and rolls, getting into the lane, and everybody is so scared of his ability to score. And but he is a great passer, so he's able to drop off passes to our bigs. I, I, I'd say you know our, our boosters here. They love the alley pass because he throw you know two or three of those a game for dunks also. So when he got in the lane in the half court offense, he he could do it all at a high level, and that put the defense just in a bad situation. Uh, so that would be the the biggest area. And then we had a little shooter who's now the all time leading shooter, three point shooter in school history. He, you know, he'd he find him five, six, seven times a game and, you know, get assists off of those three-point shots, too. So he kind of knew how he could get his assists. 
And this year, he just embraced it. That's why it went up. And I, I want to say average maybe 10 assists a game. Um, so, like I say, it was just his ability to change in the moment. Same thing with assists. He can do it in transition. But in the half court, getting in the middle, getting into the paint, that was where he sort of had the defense at his mercy. And on that level, Mark, when you talk about you know, getting into the middle, getting into the paint. Is he a good finisher himself also? I mean, can he score at all three levels, as they say? Excellent, excellent. His his mid-range stop and shoot or fade away is really, really good. His all the way to the basket, left or right. And he has, I call it that crafty New York style you know, it's not the type of finish that sometimes that you would teach, mm-hmm. but he he just can do it. He can just he can do, do things that a lot of guys can't do. So all of that is is just exciting to hear. We appreciate your perspective. I'm wondering, Mark, and you've been in it a long time and enough to know, yeah, you know, and been around a lot of coaches and at D1 schools and and big time programs and so on that that come around recruiting players you've, you've coached or recruited yourself. What was it about the Oregon State approach with Coach Rupp and others that resonated with you, with Deshaun, in terms of Deshaun, I'm sure with other interests, uh, casting his lot with Oregon State? We're excited about it. How did that all come about, and what was your view of how Oregon State recruited this young man? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, Coach Rupp did a great job. Uh, Oregon State. Oregon State sort of came into the picture uh, because of uh, me and Coach Tinkle's relationship. So we go back a long way, a uh, lot of respect, mutual both ways. And, uh, you know, I, I, we coached against him when I, four years when I was at the University of Idaho, I believe he was at Montana. Mm-hmm. And we had battles there. But it even it, it goes, my, my wife is from Missoula. She was, Really, really good friends with Coach's sister and family, and, and so that was the initial reason that that I wanted to put Oregon State in the in the mix. So I sort of told them early, and then, like I said, Coach Rupp did a great job. Once once I gave them the information early, he got out ahead of everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's just good people and just good, great coaching staff. They're all good people. And I could speak on Coach Tinko in ways that I can only speak on a handful of other Division One coaches because I know him. Right. right. And so I think that resonated with Deshaun and his, um, his AAU coach back in New York who pretty much helped us get him and – pretty much helped Oregon State get them too. But it resonated, the fact that I was speaking not on what I heard, but what I knew about Coach Tinko. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I also wonder then how much excitement you had for Wayne that Deshaun had when when he watched. You watched the Beavers while you were making your own run in postseason. And you were still playing even when the Beaver season finally came to an end. But But I wonder, Mark, what that meant to you, what it meant to Deshaun to watch the Beavers go on the run they went on. I mean, it was a, it was definitely an exciting time, and and I think it just 
brought everything that I said, because I don't really know what they said to him, but it brought everything I said to him. Uh, just gave it a lot more credibility because he saw, you know, Oregon State wasn't the most talented team in that tournament, but the 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 togetherness of that of those guys and the coaching staff, the job they did with the changes in defense and controlling the tempo of the game, they got a chance to see high level coaching, and that was great to see because that's where he's going next year. So we were excited to watch it, and, you know, we just only heard about it before. But now we got a chance to see it on the highest level. And, you know, it was just, like I said, we watch parties over here. That's great. How do you see then Deshaun's game? And based on, I mean, the ball was in Ethan's hands a lot and a tremendous career for Ethan Thompson. But when you look at the Beavers with Deshaun, how do you kind of envision his role within the Beavers' plan at both ends of the court next year? You know, it'd be tough to really speculate on that. But I do know he is, uh, his ability allows um, the coaching staff to implement him in a lot of different ways. So he's not a one-dimensional player. It's a player, if you need him to be this this year, he can do it. If you need him next year or the next game for something else, he's just a very versatile high-level player. So I, I know they'll do a good job of, of, of making that work, but I, I'm not really on the inside thing, so I don't yeah. possibly need to speak on how they – it's going to translate. Coach, do you think that he's been through enough and going from, what, Brooklyn to uh, Texas Bronx, or yeah. the Bronx to Texas that coming out all the way out here is not going to be a problem as far as homesickness or just being out uh, on the other side of the country? No, I don't think so. I think in the beginning that was the thing we had to weigh the most and – he, it would have been ideal for him to play back closer to home, but you know, between me, him, me and his AAU coach, and him, we, we just discussed it more. You, you got to make the decision based on what's best for you. And I and I explained to him my situation. I'm from Milwaukee. I went to Nebraska for junior college, then the University of Idaho. And, you know, my parents never missed a game from third grade up. And they only got to see me in college on senior night. Mm -hmm. And so I did have some regret, I told him, afterwards. But I knew I still made the best decision because I had a great career in Idaho. I was able to be a first-team all-league guy. I played with some great players. And it, it, it worked out. It was the best place. So I just told him. You know, you can't make your decision based on nothing else. Well, so great that he had you in his corner to, to share your experiences with him. Thank you, Coach, for sharing your perspective and, and uh, thoughts about a young man we've been reading about for many, many months and so excited to get to see him in uh, the orange and black at Oregon State. Congratulations to you. You guys had a great run this year, didn't you? I mean, that I, the final record, were you 23-3? and three? What I mean, that's a pretty good season for you, isn't it? Well, I mean, 
they far exceeded my expectations. You know, we've had six national tournament sweet 16 and elite eight teams in the last eight years. And I just, I didn't see this team as being one of those teams, but they shocked me. You know, we lost the first game of the season by two points at home and we were in control of most of that game. And our model the rest of the year was to never come back in the locker room and feel that feeling again. One where we didn't get beat. We lost this game. Even though it was a great team that we lost to, the game we should have won that game, and they went on a 22-game winning streak after that. So we didn't lose another game into the recent championship game which we lost again to that same team. and But like I say, they were a great team also. Um, but that was, that was an amazing accomplishment. You lost the first game and the last game. Yeah. And yeah. then went to the national tournament and took the third loss in the Sweet 16 to the eventual runner-up mm-hmm. national Um. And, you know, I, I, I credit Deshaun a lot with that. And I told him when he first got back, I said, this season is going to depend on me and your ability to be one. You know, you're the point guard. You and me got to be on the same page at all times. If we can do that, we can maybe – what you know, even the fans around here, here when they first saw us, they didn't think they were like me. We had seen better teams. Mm-hmm. We thought mm-hmm. this team came together, credit to Deshaun and all the other guys, and made us all look good. I mean, they just came to, sort of like Oregon State yeah. did at the end. They, yeah. they group came together, and you know the. The team can always excel at this uh, one goal, and nobody cares who gets the credit. Great attitude. Hey, Coach, thank you. Thanks for taking time for us. Nice to meet you. Hope to maybe cross paths at an Oregon State game someday. Thanks for sending Deshaun our way and coaching him up. We appreciate it and look forward to staying in touch with you over the years. Thanks for joining the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Mark Leslie, the head coach at Trinity Valley Community College. We break. Tim Ewis and Adam Poole is the gentleman who will join us from Bowie at 1230 to talk about Adley's Homer and Caden at second and other Orioles matters at 1230 today. Thanks for joining us on 1240 Joe Radio. Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beeves. 
The Inkwell Home Store celebrates mom with all the things that moms love. Handy tools that make cooking or baking a joy. Beautiful home decor, books, jewelry, even fun novelty gifts. And don't forget, they gift wrap for free. If you still can't decide, an Inkwell gift card is always a hit. So skip the grocery store flowers and stop by the Inkwell Home Store for a gift she's sure to love. Inkwell Home Store on 3rd Street, downtown Corvallis. Inkwell Home Store. Always something different. Feels like home. Always something good. COVID has changed a lot of things in our lives, and it can be hard for anyone. If you're struggling to cope, you don't have to go it alone. There's strength in reaching out. When you call the Safe and Strong Helpline, you can find support in your community. It's free and private, so your information won't be shared. Call 800-923-HELP to connect with someone who's ready to listen and who cares. That's 800-923-4357. We're stronger in community. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eaves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. So if you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group. 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. Have you tried to trade in or sell your RV? Was the offer from the RV dealer embarrassingly low? Guarantee will give you $500 if we can't beat any Oregon dealer's written offer on your late model RV in good condition. My name is Tanya and I live in Harrisburg. We used our trailer a few times last fall and it was just too small for our family. Guarantee made us a good faith offer for our RV that we couldn't refuse. Now we have the perfect RV and the kids love the bunk beds. Trailers, fifth wheels, toy haulers, motorhomes, they all qualify for cash for campers. My name is Chet and I live in Eugene. Guarantee made it so easy. They picked up my old RV and swapped it out for a brand new one with plenty of storage and a beautiful new kitchen. Well, they even paid off my existing loan. Text sell my RV to 55678 for special offers or visit guarantee.com. That's sell my RV to 55678. Guarantee RV, here to help you sell or trade your RV with no hassles and no gimmicks. Mother's Day is this Sunday. Make her day extra special with a gift from Burst Chocolates in Corvallis. For over 80 years, Burst has continued the old-fashioned and time-honored tradition of making all their chocolates by hand and in small batches from original Burst family recipes. A box of candy from Burst is always a sweet Mother's Day idea. They're between 3rd and 4th on Madison in downtown Corvallis or online at BurstChocolate.com. Burst Chocolates, sweetening the valley since 1938. Howdy, folks. Linda McHenry here to tell you what you need to know about Eats and Treats Cafe in Volumen. We serve up just darn good comfort food, serious barbecue, and amazing baked goods from our on-premise bakery. And we serve it up in three different ways. Takeout order with curbside pickup, dine inside with advanced reservations, and alfresco dining outside along our covered breezeway. That's Eats and Treats Cafe on the corners of 17th and Main Streets in Philomath. 
You're listening to The Joe Beaver Show. During the commercial break, John Warren was doing some special research that impressed Mike Parker. John, that's amazing, and that's great work, and that's impressive. You are ready to go. That's right, and here to present all of their research, John Warren and Mike Parker on The Joe Beaver Show. I know what that's like. I know what that's like. Adam will join us at 12:30. Oh, that'll be good. To talk about, I noticed yesterday. I was surprised at the number. I noticed yesterday that there were like 2,800 people in Tacoma at Cheney Stadium, and I think the the phenom prospect for the Mariners, their Adley Rutschman, and I'm just going to say it because I've never heard the name pronounced and. You know, if we had Shannon Dreyer or Aaron Goldsmith or Gary Hill or yeah. somebody on, <laughs> they would, might laugh when I say Jared Kellenick. Or is it Kellenick? I do not know. So I apologize aforehand. But what? he hit two homers last night, but I still have never heard his name pronounced. What's that basketball team in Boston that wears green? The Celtics. <laughs> I'm sorry. You set me up for that job. <laughs> I wanted to see it at what yeah. you I wanted to see what a lot of things. And Is you, it Kellenick or Kellenick? I don't know. Do you? I don't. I think he hit two last it night. It could be Selenick. <laughs> no, no, it's a K though. Oh, so it's yeah, a K. Okay. There is a K there. Okay. That's, that's a good question. Adley only hit one, so the greater prospects in Tacoma. Somebody said, I don't know if it was a texter to this show, but they said he needs to see Major League Pitching first. I'm sorry. It's Who been does? two years, Adley. Oh. He's seen enough. The guy was, <laughs> uh, they. as far as, let me just put it this way. We know what we saw. We know what we called. But the experts were saying, He's a guy that's ready right now. Two years ago, we were told he could start in Major League Baseball right now. Oh, sure. That he's ready defensively now. Yes. Yes. Isn't his bat? Wasn't his bat ready at that time? Probably. Now, there's somebody who might give you the proper pronunciation. I know. You can just take it off the air. Whoever knows. Thank you for calling. (laughs) They hung up. Okay, gotcha. It's okay. But you know what? You understand my frustration? About, well, Nick Madrigal didn't need to wait around that long. I mean, I guess he did. He was a year ahead. I don't know. I, I just, mm-hmm. I get frustrated when you get you hear a hype and then it doesn't oh quite gosh. last with the hype. We have a, we have a break coming. Somebody here is just going to give you the, uh, maybe the authorized version of the pronunciation. And one more. And see if this confirms out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Every word shall be confirmed. Okay, so what do they say? Well, the first okay. <laughs> first one said Kelnick, and yeah. then Paul said Kelenick. Well, Kelnick doesn't sound right. With the so way it's, it's a hard K. Kelenick. Well, Kelenick. I always know it's a hard K. No, I mean, K. it's a, it's a the first syllable. Not yeah. Right, right, right. Kelenick hit two last night in Tacoma. At Cheney. Before, Where's like, he from? Was he a college phenom? Where's he from? 2,800 fans in Tacoma. That was a high number 
I'm surprised they're letting that many. I don't know. I can't remember Cheney Stadium's capacity. Maybe 10. Washington's doing a little, little more than we are. Okay. Blazer fans will be Tim in tonight. Tim Lewis and Adam Pohl coming up. All set, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with Your Money Now. Stocks are in positive territory today, looking to notch some new closing highs. The Dow Industrials and NASDAQ Composite both up more than 100 points. The Dow and S&P both in record territory. U.S. oil prices edged higher today. June crude rose 19 cents to settle at 64.90 a barrel. The contract gained more than 2% for the week. No comment from the bank, but Goldman Sachs is apparently allowing Wall Street investors to trade with a derivative tied to Bitcoin prices. A Bloomberg News report says the fifth largest U.S. bank has opened up trading with non-deliverable forwards that eventually pay out in cash. The report says Goldman will protect itself from the cryptocurrency's volatility by buying and selling Bitcoin futures in block trades. About 226,000 smoke detectors and combination smoke carbon monoxide alarms are being recalled because they may fail to alert consumers to a fire. The nationwide recall is for KID, TrueSense, smoke alarms, and combination smoke carbon monoxides. That's your money now. I struggled with symptoms like frequent gas and stomach pain for years. I was bloated all the time with daily diarrhea. At first, I thought it was what I was eating. I kept thinking it was stomach issues. So I did my research and talked to my doctor, and we finally uncovered the truth. It It was was actually EPI. Exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, is a condition where your pancreas is unable to help break down your food. It can lead to symptoms like diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools. And EPI symptoms can be confused with those of other common digestive conditions, like irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's, and celiac disease. So getting to the right diagnosis meant being more open with my doctor about the severity of my symptoms and how often they were happening. But there's good news. EPI is manageable, so don't wait any longer. Use the symptom checker at identifyepi.com and schedule a visit or call with your doctor to ask, Could Could I have have EPI? Stargazer Premier Florist knows flowers are a beautiful way to make mothers feel loved and appreciated, especially now. And they're ready to help deliver them the best arrangement possible. Choose from Stargazer's wide selection of Mother's Day flower arrangements and they'll deliver a beautiful, unique gift right on time. Stargazer is providing no-contact deliveries while maintaining cleanliness and health safety in the shop. So stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection of Mother's Day arrangements online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Flores, located at 925 Northwest Circle Boulevard in Corvallis. The Inkwell Home Store celebrates mom with all the things that moms love. Handy tools that make cooking or baking a joy. Beautiful home decor, books, jewelry, even fun novelty gifts. And don't forget, they gift wrap for free. If you still can't decide, an Inkwell gift card is always a hit. So skip the grocery store flowers and stop by the Inkwell Home Store for a gift she's sure to love. Inkwell Home Store on 3rd Street, downtown Corvallis. Inkwell Home Store. Always something different. Feels like home. Always something good. Yogi Berra was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame on the strength of three MVP awards and 15 All-Star seasons. But Yogi will be most remembered for the unintentionally hilarious things he said. When the wife of New York's mayor told Yogi on a warm summer day he looked nice and cool in his suit, Yogi replied, quote, Thanks, you don't look so hot yourself. 
Another yogiism, quote, baseball's 90% mental, the other half is physical. During one spring training, when asked what his cap size was, Yogi responded, quote, how do I know? I'm not in shape yet. Regarding the fans, if the people don't want to come out to the ballpark, nobody's going to stop them. Barra's restaurant comments are among his best. Once talking about a popular New York restaurant, he said, quote, no one goes there anymore. It's too crowded. And at a pizza joint, when asked if he wanted his pizza cut into four slices or eight, Yogi replied, four. I don't think I can eat eight. And, of course, Yogi had an answer for people who asked him about his great lines. His comment, I really didn't say everything I said. For little-known legends of sports, I'm Matt Vaskersian. Research shows that people remember radio ads with repetition. So to help you remember that Liberty Mutual Insurance Company customizes your home insurance so you only pay for what you need, here's a repetitive ad. <clears throat> okay. Research shows that people remember radio ads with repetition, so to help you remember that Liberty Mutual Insurance Company customizes your home insurance so you only pay for what you need, here's a repetitive ad. <sighs> only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Sorry to interrupt your jams, murder mystery podcasts, or motivational beach noises, but we got something else you might like to hear. It's called cash. That's the sound of an extra 250 bucks after your first 10 deliveries with Uber Eats. That's right, an extra $250 on top of all the other cash you'll make during those first 10 deliveries. If that sounds good, visit t.uber.com slash extra 250. Uber Eats, deliver with us. Limited time offer, terms apply. See t.uber.com slash extra 250 for more details. It's time for the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio with Mike Parker and John Warren, a duo daily making tough decisions in the world of social media. On Facebook. You are unfriended. On Twitter. Do you follow me? Yes. Well, stop following me. I'll have you arrested. Standing up to belittlement. Get this bums out of here. But appreciating those that get it. They ain't got it too easy, these fellas trying to tell you what a game is like on the radio. And always trying to win over the skeptical. There's a little toy you'll never have any use for, uh, the radio. Ah, yes, the radio. But not just any radio. 1240 Joe Radio and the Joe Beaver Show. And now, here they are. They, they, the ominous they. Mike Parker and John Warren. Well, Tim Ewis is our scheduled guest, but I know he's big time. He's he's big time in that. <laughs> he's been on with us so many times through the years that he, if he doesn't answer the phone when we call, it's a little bit like talking with Terry Stotts about Carmelo Anthony and a, a, a writer was asking Stotts after a game recently uh, a month or so ago. That's recent, and, and so is Willie Mays making catches in 1966 at Dodger Stadium. That's recent to me. So recently, Mello missed a bunch of shots, had a bad game, was like five for 19 and not shooting well, and somebody asked Stotts about, well, you didn't you didn't sub him out, or you, you talked about him about shot selection or whatever else. <laughs> I laughed as I heard the question because I felt like Terry was going to take it in the direction he did. 
Well, Mello's kind of earned the right to shoot him through those. Things. He's, you know, and he's right. Equity. Yeah. Built up equity. He, if he's going to be in a bit of a funk shooting the basketball, he'll get through it, and maybe he has to shoot his way through it. But the questioner was trying to say, Terry, you got to rein him in. And I've heard talk like that. Fans over the years, I think, have been a little, and that's that was the interesting point Jason Quick made, that over the years, players in the league, the regard in which they hold Carmelo Anthony is, is, is very high. I mean, yeah. in Le, I mean, way up there on that you know, spectrum, continuum, Players held in high regard by other players in the league who's on a short list. Carmelo would be. Well, the fans have been a little disenchanted at times by the shooting yeah. slumps or lack of other stuff. Yeah, I mean he's he, he was bouncing around and, right. and fans weren't weren't liking yeah. him that much. But the the players who do uh, hold him in high regard are usually the younger ones yeah. who were little kids when he was playing. That's true, but they all understand. The development of the crabs. Zach Collins saying, watching his footwork. Yeah. In in his patented fadeaway shot, getting the ball and and turning and shooting fadeaway. I mean, he scores in so many different ways. He's just a true scorer in the game and one of the great and one of the top ten in history. All of that to say, Terry Stott said Mello's earned the right to work his way through the Tim Hewis. How many times has he been a guest on the Joe Beaver show, both as a student athlete? As a coach at Oregon State, <laughs> uh, Edward Jones, he's hosted a, a road show at his office. I mean, if he doesn't answer the call when we call him, he's earned the right to not be there when the phone rings. Do you concur? Just in terms uh, of sheer volume. Yes. He, as a volume shooter, scorer as Anthony, yeah. a volume guest as U.S. has been. Yeah. He's, Tim's earned the right to not be there when we call. Plus, he's kind of our boss because he, he advertises on the yes, show. Yes, he does. <laughs> so, but, but when I say he's big time, yeah. he's going on Canzano later, you told yeah, me. Yeah, he'll Is be that busy. Correct? He'll be doing Portland radio today. Yeah, that's big time. And the upshot, John, is, and, and we're going to talk to Tim about a number of things, but I'm now driving around our town seeing his name. So what's happening with that? I mean, just I think most Tim people listening is, know, but give us the he's quick. He's running for Corvallis School Board. Right. And May 18th, what's today? Today's the 7th. So May 18th. That's a Tuesday, so that's two weeks from two mm, days ago. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah. So May 18th is the special election, right. and it's vote by mail, and you got to get your ballot in. Um, I think we're still a ways off as far as the deadline to put it in the mail. But uh, it's got to be in a box, and it's for Corvallis School Board. And, you know, every there's school board uh, elections all over the state, so it's not just Corvallis. But he is running for Corvallis School Board. And then tomorrow, of course, is the football kind of culmination of spring practice, so we could get a thought or two from Tim on uh, his thoughts on Beaver football. And I'd be curious to know, too, if he's still involved in high school football coaching. Um, cause he's been, he's been doing that a lot over the years. So Tim's been very active in the school district for a long time and his kids are school age, obviously. And, and, uh, so it's not all politics. We want to talk to Tim about, about, um, you know, football and what's sure. going on sure. with, uh, with the Beavers in his mind. And then, uh, you know, get a thought on what he's, uh, he's doing. And by the way, anybody's eligible. You can, it's not just because he's a friend of ours. 
uh, equal time. If anybody wants to come mm-hmm. on who's running, just let us know and we'll talk to you. Absolutely. A little bit of the spirit and feel of the Joe show, yeah, which we had last summer. And, and so with Tim, there's always a lot of things to talk about. Now, in the meantime, as we wait and we're trying to get a hold of him, uh, you've texted him. He was scheduled for 12.05 today. Things happen. We understand. In the meantime, if there are any texts you'd care to send on the University Honda text line, 541-497-5356. Kelnick, by the way, right? It is Kelnick. Not uh, Kelenic, not Kelenic, Kelnick. Out of his own mouth, there is a feature. If you look up Jared, he there's a YouTube video of, hi, this is Jared Kelnick, and I'm walking around the streets of Seattle and Sounds like a, a really good young man, a guy that uh, was drafted sixth overall by the New York Mets in 2018, did not play college baseball. And in his first game, or at least I, I think last night in his debut at Cheney Stadium at Tacoma, hit two. Yeah, that'll do it for you. So there's what well, we got to call him up right now. You know, if Adley hits one tonight, I'm sure there's going to be, uh, come on, Orioles, get him up right yeah. now. Yeah. But the word that I heard from Paul Frischner, and we're going to visit with Adam Pohl, and by Paul Paul and Adam do the games together for the Bowie Bay Sox, Paul said that Adam, is the he knows the Orioles organization inside and out. So I think Adam, uh, the lead broadcaster for the Bowie Bay Sox, yeah. but a guy who's just is an Orioles guy through and through, will be able to give us a sense of the the timetable, the timeline that he believes the Orioles have Adley on. And at the same time, we can talk to him about Caden Grenier. And I did see Caden at second. It's been a while since I've talked to Caden, but he's another guy we'll try to get on the show here too. I think there would almost be a hope that Caden and Adley together in a lineup would energize Caden too, to say, hey, here's mm-hmm. here we are together again. And Caden, I just I will ask Adam a little bit about how the organization regards him. Right. I, I think Caden has tremendous ability. I remember when he got here, Jack Riley said of Caden, he's the best when he was playing for the Bend Elks in the uh, West Coast League before arriving here. Jack Riley said, this guy's the best looking prospect I've seen at this age and this level coming into Oregon State, even above Nick Madrigal in terms of what just the tools that Jack Riley saw in Caden. So I still think that sort of, you know, where the Orioles have him now in their minds as an organization, does he need to have a big year hitting at double A? One for three last night, but I mean, Maybe second base in the long term is a, a better position for him to be in, in terms of trying to ascend the steps in the organization Any way and he get, can get to the big, the big club. Any way he can get onto the big club. So Adam Pohl joins us at 1230. Tim has answered the call, and as we mentioned, Tim, if any guest over the years has earned the equity to – to be a minute or two or a few late, it's you because you've been on with us for 20 years now. Tim, it's great to have you back in a different kind of context on the Joe Beaver Show. But thanks for joining us, Tim. How are you? 
Well, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Still want to talk some ball, but there's some other things happening locally we want to talk about as well. So Absolutely. We can, we can cover all kinds of things. As we always do with you, Tim, and I look forward to that. Let me, let's start with that, though. The kind of the, the, we'll talk some spring football, tight ends, beaver football, and all that in a moment. But uh, yesterday I took Juno. You know the territory in South Corvallis, having been neighbors for a while. I'm walking Juno, and I see a couple of other, a couple that I know in the neighborhood with their dog walking, and I just said, hey, you know, what are the kids? They have uh, daughters at Lincoln uh, Elementary School. How are they liking being back? And they just both, the mom and dad, said they love it. It, it, it just means so much to them to get to be back in. I don't know where we – that's, for me, a way to begin. You have a heart for kids. You're running for Corvallis School Board. Why? What motivated you? And what are your thoughts about what our, you know, mutual neighbors had to say about kids being back in school? Well, I think that we have clearly missed uh, out on the social aspect of life for the last, you know, 13, 14 months. And that's all of society, specifically in the Northwest, uh, is, is the way we've treated um, COVID and and all of the pandemic, and uh, not to say that's right or wrong, but we have missed out on things socially. And so for the kids to get back in school and see each other, uh, some of them for the first time and in a very, very long time, it's really great for those kids, and, and I think it brings a smile to every teacher's face. So that I'll start first there. And your own kids, what is their situation like now? If you don't mind kind of just bringing it home in terms of how they've responded, where they're going and how they've responded to be able to get back in the classroom. Is it a completely free as, quote, normal, or there's still a lot of modifications there and, and uh, restrictions they're subjected to? Yeah, it's a good question. So as far as restrictions, the first week they kind of had a phase-in week where um, they were under the old CDC guidelines of nine um, cubic feet or uh, nine square feet per, per child. So I guess 36 square feet, I'm sorry, um, kind of a six-by-six six space. So that's when they had half classrooms, uh, and, and they were going two days a week. But they were just excited for that, to be able to be with their friends for a couple days a week. Uh, and then when they moved to the full-time uh, which then reduced it to nine uh, square feet, kind of a three-by-three three space. Uh, they were able to have full classrooms. They, they, they've done a really good job at the school district to, and in kind of school-specific to um, set up different lanes in the hallways, stay on this side, stay on that side. They're, they're learning how to maybe even drive at a little bit younger age here, some of the rules of the road. So um, that's been good. They've, they've enjoyed that. Unfortunately, my kids uh, were put on the quarantine list, and so they've, they've been at home um, this week and part of last week, and, and that's been tough on them because they just got to go back and see some of their classmates. And so um, anytime a student tests positive or is within that kind of six-foot space, um, the, the students are put on a, a quarantine list, and, and the district's done a good job of that, um, having – trying to change with the ever-changing rules um, and, and do a good job of communicating to parents why kids are on the quarantine list, what that means, 10 days, 14 days. So 
my kids unfortunately are at home right now um and that's a it's a bummer yeah Having not been, I mean, being a businessman and being in town, of course, and an athlete and all that, what, what, this is completely different. Politics is a different animal. What's the process been like? Has it been eye-opening for you? And what motivated you really to, uh, to get into this? Yeah, good question. So to run for kind of local school board, I, I would hope that it's not a political Position. I understand we vote for it as a community, but I would really hope that we could uh, not make it political and say this is someone that's more conservative or this is someone that's more liberal, that we could just say these are some of the better thinkers in town. And not that I'm saying that about myself, but I do think that I, I have something to add to the school board with just um, kind of the experiences I've had in life and, and maybe thinking a little different way. And, and an example of that, John, would be, you know, next year, we're, we're, I think up in Albany right now, they're maybe a week or two ahead of us. I think they have close to 500 kids that they've had to send home because of um, this, this quarantine model. And, and so if that's going to be how it is in the fall again, I think we need to be a little better prepared for it, be a little more proactive, uh, have, uh, you know, the, the kids in the classroom, but maybe the ability to live stream what's happening in the classroom for that kind of quarantine cohort. Because right now my kids are receiving 25 minutes a day of, of FaceTime with teachers and two hours, about two hours on uh, Wednesdays. Yeah. And so they're, they're under three and a half hours a week of teacher time because they're in this quarantine cohort. Yes. So. I, I read that on the, the neighborhood app. Someone was saying, is this normal? And I, I couldn't believe my eyes now not to get charged up or anything, but my first question as a parent whose kids are long since out of the system, I would still ask the question, why shouldn't it be? Because here's what I envision a camera in the back of the room, the teacher teaching, whether they're in the class or not, normal materials for a normal amount of time with the normal amount of breaks that kids would get. Why would you stray from that? And I haven't been able to get a clear answer on that, whether it's the, the union or the, the board, kind of the school district board and the superintendent. Uh, both of them, from my understanding, kind of are, are playing off each other on that. Um, but I think that is a reasonable um, solution. It's what Albany is doing right now, from my understanding, to get a little more face time. We have the technology, so let's figure out how to do, you know, do that appropriately. So uh, that those are the things that I'm looking at, saying, hey, how do, how do we just make this the best education for all kids, knowing that next year's probably not going to be going back to complete normal either. So yeah, yeah. those are some of the motivations I had um, behind all of this. And, and I'm, I'm excited to serve the community in that role. If, if the people ask me to do that, um, I, I feel I can approach it from a very moderate, um, non-political point of view we want and, and really yeah. listen to people. Yeah, no doubt. Tim, you is joining us running for Corral school board, but, uh, local businessman, sponsor of the uh, Joe Beaver Show uh, with Edward Jones. So we want to talk some football. Is there anything else on what you're doing in this uh, this run that you think 
you want to get out and get the get the message out before we move on? No, the only thing I would say is just encourage people to vote and and go through the voters guide and and you know good and bad of politics, this being political, um, kind of the current um, board banded together for for four individuals, and so that kind of forced the hand of of four challengers to band together. So I am running with um, Dr. Bryce Clary, with Ginger um, Shudalarkum, and with uh, Rich Arnold, and and I think all of them bring something, um, you know, unique and special. Uh, I just kind of documented on my website my experiences of them because I think that's what this is really about. It's not right, left, center. It's about what are our experiences of each other? How do we treat people? Uh, and how are we going to look out for the kids in our community? So all of that's on my, my website at timforcorvallis.com if, if you're interested. So, are, are there... Um, are are there polls? Do you get a pulse for where things are, or you won't know until the next day? I have no idea where things are at, and and uh, and that's one thing that's kind of strange with this. At least from my perspective, there's no polls, and uh, and so I, you know, people have been, uh, you know, people have offered me to set up a political action committee and donate money and try to. You set up phone calls, and I, I just said, I don't think this should be political. I don't want to do those kinds of things. I'll spend, you know, you can spend up to about $750 without registering um, with the state, and then, and then above 3500 you need to itemize it, and so I'm, I'm definitely going to stay below that. But I'm just self-funding, saying if this is to be, it's to be. I don't need um, any political donations or a, a political action committee or anything like that. I just don't think it's down that route. It's a great way to look at it, and um, well, best of luck to you. Now, on football. Well, yeah, Tim, will you be at the spring scrimmage? Will you be amongst those tomorrow? I, I'm going to try to get in. I, you know, it was one of those kind of whiplash things. I think John Tanzano kind of joked about, like, hey, we're going to need a trip to the chiropractor because it was, you know, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Hey, no spring game. It's off. And then by 5.30 or so that night, it was like, it's on. And and so I'd already kind of said, hey, Michelle, what are we going to do Saturday? Um, you know, I, I feel good about going to something like that personally. I'm, I have no problem wearing a mask. I'm going to it. I've been vaccinated uh, because of, you know, the, the coaching of the high school football. And and so I, I, I feel fine. I think people respect each other's space. I'm excited to see some live football. I've been to a couple practices this spring and, um, seen a couple kids that I want to see live in games. So, what do you see, Tim? When you have, and, and, and you know, you have a, f- a sense of the full team and game, no question. But if you, on the offensive side, the tight ends in particular, what kind of group are you seeing there? And just the offensive development overall, even with not everybody involved, is going to be there in the fall. Yeah, the tight ends. Uh, are one of the most athletic groups of tight ends I've seen at Oregon State in a long time. They are, gosh, I'd say the smallest one, probably 6'3", you know, 240. They're just, they're fully developed men. They run well. They're catching the ball well. Uh, I watch some of their blocking drills. They're all improving. Um, The O-line, I was really impressed with the athleticism of the O-line. I was also really impressed with the athleticism of the D-line. I think, 
we got in a mode for a little while at Oregon State where it was just like, let's kind of just get big run gap pluggers up front. And they weren't um, overly athletic. And I think we're returning to more of that that mode of, uh, of a Bill Swan cut of a Dewan Edwards on the interior. We're looking to more athletic up front. And I, I like that on both sides of the ball. But the guy that stuck out to me was Beeson. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but that guy can flat out run. Mm-hmm. Zariah Beeson, yeah, his name's come up a lot during the camp as maybe the next, I mean, the next kind of featured guy as at the receiver position. I mean, do you think he has a chance anyway to be that guy? Well, I was sitting there watching practice with Jay Losey one day, and, and we were kind of talking about the old times. And, and all of a sudden – there's a kid breaking away down the field away from everyone else. And I mean, separating. And I looked and I, I said, who is that guy? And kind of pulled out our little phones and scrolled down through the list. And we're like, ah, Texas, this makes sense. He just, he looks, he looks like a player. He acts like a player and uh, he can make plays. So I, I'm excited to see him live in the scrimmage tomorrow. Did you have a sense on uh, the running backs from South Carolina? Steve Priest, first, the first time he saw him, Priest came away impressed with Deshaun Fenwick. Did you Have you seen enough of him yet, Tim, to have any feel for him and what impact he might have in the running back group? You know, the day I was there, they were not doing the, like nine-on-seven pack drills. I think it was a little lighter day, so I didn't see a lot of um, running backs. Okay per se, hitting holes, making plays in that regard. They, they were uh, it definitely focused more the time I was watching the downfield passing. Uh, the, the one thing that I think is interesting, um, a guy that is a transfer in from Georgia at the running back position, I think we have a lot of running backs, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think it'll be interesting to see how you know a, a kid coming in from the SEC plays that also had a dad that was a, a pretty stinking good player at Oregon State. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to, to see how that kind of pans out. So, Hey, last thing, Tim, at the, um, at the quarterback position, I've been hearing great reports on Sam Vidlak as a, just a guy, a guy who has a bright future. Did you see enough of him at the quarterback spot? I know we're all looking forward to seeing these guys in action tomorrow, but what about that and, and Tristan and Chance and Ben Goldbranson and how the, you think that may shake out uh, this fall? Yeah, and I think it, I, I watched Chance. He was kind of the one, I think, taking the majority of the reps uh, and I, I don't know where Tristan is at right now, uh, health-wise, recovering from his hamstring. So it would be interesting to kind of follow that saga. Uh, but, yeah, the kid from down south, Southern Oregon pride coming through. And seeing Sam, and it was kind of funny because I think he was running with the twos and the threes that day. And, and he hit a deep ball that was thrown on stride to the wide receiver. And there was maybe eight or ten people there. And I heard this, yeah, and I look over and I think that's got to be his dad. Got a little Hidden Valley gear on, but yeah. I was like, yeah, got to be his dad, proud papa there. And, nice. and so I think he's going to be a really good player, um, to answer your question. He, from all things, a coach's kid, good football IQ, seems like a leader on the field already. And, I mean, if we think about it, he 
he'd be like a freshman area. He, he's not even a freshman yet. You know, he just came early and is part of spring ball. And so that's a huge advantage for him. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. Hey, the, the last thing, and that is on the NFL draft just completed your sense of Jamar Jefferson and the opportunity he gets. One West Coast scout scout, I guarantee you put him in the right scheme with the zone running scheme. He's going to get, I think the number was 685 yards and seven touchdowns in his rookie year. That's what the scout said. Jamar goes in with a chip on his shoulder. What's his shot at that level in that league with his style? Do you agree with that scout that there's there's an upside here and a chance to be productive? Yeah, I think there is a huge chance to be productive. And, and that, that's an interesting uh, kind of prediction there, yardage-wise, yeah. because the, the thing that he'll struggle with uh, his first year, and, and I, I'm not you know, saying he's a great player, but to become a three-down back, he has some work to do still in the NFL. But put him in his own scheme, let him run the ball, he'll get six, 700 yards. I, I could easily agree with that. To be a 1,000-yard rusher, he'll have to develop into more of a, an, an every-down back um, where, you know, he can have a draw on, on third down or something like that. Or he's just going to be a little bit more of a zone runner. And I, I like the guy. I would have loved to see him come back for another year. Yes. But obviously this is a great choice for him. And and you've seen what Detroit's doing, building up their own line specifically. So I, I think that it's a great opportunity for him there to, to run behind some pretty good um, offensive linemen. I would like to have seen Nashawn Wright return, but the Cowboys thought highly enough of him to take him number 99 and even ahead of Elijah Molden, which surprised some people. Yep. But Nashawn's got the frame, right? He can develop. They must look at him and say, small sample size, but – a body uh, and length at that position. Do you think he's got a pretty good shot at it too, Tim? Yeah, I, I do. And, and that's, you just kind of hit the nail on the head, the body size. Uh, some people call him long or rangy, a little bit of that uh, Dennis Weathers be in him where he's um, just the, the length of his arms, the size of his body combined with his ability to run and move and, and have really good hips. Uh, I, I think it's, it's a great opportunity, obviously, for him down there. As a, as a third rounder, he'll get a chance. They're, they're going to give him every opportunity to succeed. And, I mean, a, a top 100 pick for the Beavers and uh, getting to put his name on that board, that's a pretty special thing for him. Yeah. And, yeah, small sample size, but just all the intangibles yeah tim it's great to talk to you uh thanks for making time for us you're going to be on the big show today up north in the big city is that true around 1 30 is that correct yeah john okay. asked me to come on up there i think it's going to be less politics and more just kind of what what we see going on with youth sports in the state and then a little bit of an interesting perspective i think i have uh that i've Developed working with, um, they're not working with, they're talking with uh, specifically Dan Rothwell and Pat Lowe, a couple of my former teammates, uh, and then other uh, teammates that I've I've been in contact with when it when it comes to just a lot of the racial issues we're seeing today, and how do we actually move towards a better future tomorrow? And and that's one of the things that I'm looking to help with on the school board as well. So. Um, we're gonna we're gonna hit on some some fun kind of hard topics today. Yep. But I'm looking forward to.
catching up with John. So. Well, Sounds we, good. we will try out uh, those with you at another time, Tim. Thanks for making time for us, as always, on the show, and we'll talk again soon. Hope to see you tomorrow somewhere, Reeser. Thanks for joining us, Tim. Sounds good. Thanks. Tim, you as our guest, he'll be on in an hour just, you know, Macy's Gimbals. I would yeah, just, yeah, why don't you go across the street to Gimbals? <laughs> yeah, they've got it. We don't, but they'll take good care of you. Canzano will have Tim on to talk about those issues Tim just alluded to in about an hour up north in the big city. When we come back, we're going to Bowie, Maryland. I don't know how big that is. I think it's about 20 miles out of Washington, D.C. or Ball- I don't know exactly know where they are. I don't. They're not too far from Baltimore. I mean, it's all there. And Adley. Can you see the lights? I don't know. Adley hit a homer in Altoona last night, and the guy who joins us next called it. We'll get an update on Adley Rutschman. Adam Pohl, our guest, next, 1240 Joe Radio. Have you tried to trade in or sell your RV? Was the offer from the RV dealer embarrassingly low? Guarantee will give you $500 if we can't beat any Oregon dealer's written offer on your late model RV in good condition. My name is Tanya and I live in Harrisburg. We used our trailer a few times last fall and it was just too small for our family. Guarantee made us a good faith offer for our RV that we couldn't refuse. Now we have the perfect RV and the kids love the bunk beds. Trailers, fifth wheels, toy haulers, motorhomes, they all qualify for cash for campers. My name is Chet and I live in Eugene. Guarantee made it so easy. They picked up my old RV and swapped it out for a brand new one with plenty of storage and a beautiful new kitchen. Uh, they even paid off my existing loan. Text sell my RV to 55678 for special offers or visit guarantee.com. That's sell my RV to 55678. Guarantee RV, here to help you sell or trade your RV with no hassles and no gimmicks. Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important. But so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beavs! The Inkwell Home Store celebrates mom with all the things that moms love. Handy tools that make cooking or baking a joy. Beautiful home decor, books, jewelry, even fun novelty gifts. And don't forget, they gift wrap for free. If you still can't decide, an Inkwell gift card is always a hit. So skip the grocery store flowers and stop by the Inkwell Home Store for a gift she's sure to love. Inkwell Home Store on 3rd Street, downtown Corvallis. Inkwell Home Store. Always something different. Oh, it's something good. Is there ever a reason you wouldn't want to feel confident? (laughs) I didn't think so. At the Natty Dresser in downtown Albany, confidence is exactly what we want to inspire. When you wear quality clothing that fits you perfectly, you feel great and act with confidence. Don't just dress for where you are. Dress for where you want to be. The Natty Dresser. Purveyors of quality menswear on the corner of 2nd and Broad Alvin Street in historic downtown Albany. Dress well, be confident, find success. 
Stargazer Premier Florist knows flowers are a beautiful way to make mothers feel loved and appreciated, especially now. And they're ready to help deliver them the best arrangement possible. Choose from Stargazer's wide selection of Mother's Day flower arrangements, and they'll deliver a beautiful, unique gift right on time. Stargazer is providing no-contact deliveries while maintaining cleanliness and health safety in the shop. So stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection of Mother's Day arrangements online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, located at 925 Northwest Circle Boulevard in Corvallis. The Joe Beaver Show continues. Mike Parker with John Warren and heading down the stretch. I'll be heading over to the ballpark soon. We have an early, kind of an odd game time today for the Beavers, Oregon State, hosting USC. It's not that 535 stuff. No. We'll be on the air at 3.30 here on 1240 Joe Radio with a 4.05 first pitch to be delivered by Kevin Abel. There may be a few of us in our midst listening to the Joe Beaver Show who remember that Kevin Abel had a battery mate in the 2018 National Championship game. He was game pretty good. By the name of Adley Rutschman. The Beavers winning that 5 to nothing. Abel a two-hit complete game shutout with Adley Rutschman setting a College World Series record and all of the things that we uh, were so honored to watch Adley uh, do at Oregon State. The Player of the Year in 2019, Golden Spikes winner. And now in the Baltimore Orioles system as the 1-1 pick. And joining us to talk about his development, about the latest last night, a three RBI night home run on the first pitch that he saw in Altoona. The voice of the Bowie Bay Sox, Adam Poole, kind enough to join us on the Joe Beaver Show. Adam, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, thank you so much for having me. I got to tell you a quick uh, Rutschman story from the day that he was drafted. We, I'm driving around here in Baltimore, and somebody gets on. Uh, 105.7, which uh, here is the number one rated channel uh, in the city, the sports talk channel in Baltimore. And someone says, finally, the Orioles drafted a local player. And, I, and of course, Oregon could be not, not, you know, it couldn't be further from local. They thought that Adley Rutschman went to Morgan State, which is in the MEAC in Baltimore, not Oregon State. So, so wow. we, had to, we had to teach the fans a little bit uh, about Oregon State baseball here in Baltimore, but, but I think everybody knows now. That is funny, Adam. That is very funny. I guess they weren't following the developments in Omaha terribly closely then. But, <laughs> no, they, I don't think they were. But the excitement level for Adley, tell me a little bit about that in the Orioles is such a great baseball fan base. What is the the sense of enthusiasm and excitement in general about him when he was picked first? And just even now as we kind of wait and wait for him to get to the major leagues, it's not that long of a wait, but tell us a little bit about how Adley is viewed and regarded by the organization and by the great fans of the Orioles. Well, two, two thoughts right out of the gate. Number one is that, Obviously, Rutschman uh, probably would have been the number one pick at, in the 2018 draft mm -hmm. if he was draft eligible. Uh, he was probably going to be the number one pick in 2019 no matter what team was drafted, right? This was not like 
a stunning pick that the Orioles took. But in a different way, the Orioles uh, have been a team that, uh, as far as how they run their operation in the last two or three decades, many in baseball have thought have been behind the times a little bit too old school in nature per se. And all of a sudden, this is a very new regime. They bring in uh, uh, one of the uh, top executives uh, from the Houston Astros organization, and Mike Elias, as the new general manager. Elias is, you know, in his 30s. And here is his first pick, and it's Adley Rutschman. So Rutschman is... Uh, going to become almost a, a sign of this next generation of Oriole baseball that everybody has been looking so forward to. Now, the Orioles did have a good run between 2012 and 2016, but it wasn't like we were back in the Earl Weaver era, obviously, <laughs> uh, of uh, Orioles magic and the Oriole way of the 70s. So this is, Adley is the poster child of that next generation. And then in the other regard, uh, there's so much focus with the Orioles on the next generation and the minor leagues. And then uh, Rutschman, after he wins the, or after he gets drafted in 2019, comes down with mono. He only played 37 games in professional baseball late in 19, uh, barely got a taste of Class A Delmarva. And then 2020 doesn't happen. So it's almost like Rutschman is this figure of our imagination that doesn't exist that's coming to cure the Orioles. And I think that a lot of people are excited now to see him in Bowie, which is a a team that's uh, located just right down the street from Baltimore, and last night was hopefully a sign of things to come. Yeah, Adam, we know we know what we can do, what he can do. We know what all of the scouts said before he was ever drafted, and then, like you say, he came down with mono, and that really hampered him uh, able to play that first year, and then last year not really happening. But if you could kind sure. of explain to us, and one other thing that's thrown into when we get questions, why is Adley not playing uh, on the major league club when we? get questions the answer is well you need more time but at the same time there's this whole contract starting and when do you start a guy so you can get the most out of him before can you explain at least what you think the Orioles plan is for Adley yeah I think that going into uh when he was drafted would be that in 2020 he would have spent a lot of time at double a and 2021 would have been a triple A and then into the big leagues, you know, sometime during this season. I still think there's a real chance that Rutschman could be in the major leagues uh, by the end of the season. The Orioles are actually off to a pretty good start here. But I, I think that uh, this is a forest from the trees type of, of deal. What the Orioles want for Rutschman is that when he gets to the major leagues, he is ready. And, and it's different as a catcher than any other position. You know, in college, uh, your pitching coach is calling the, the game, right? And, and in professional baseball, Adley Rutschman is basically in the parlance of football. He's, he's the defensive coordinator. You know, I mean, he's out there calling every pitch, calling the games. So I, I think that uh, when you look at the game of baseball, uh, he's in double-A right now. I mean, it's, it's probably 99% of major league players spent a good chunk of time at the AA level. Most really big prospects play more 
at the double A level, I know for us players like Matt Weeders, uh, like Zach Britton, Manny Machado, Dylan Bundy, uh, these big, you know, high level prospects that have come to the Orioles organization in the last 10 to 15 years, they've all spent more time at double A than any other level. So it's not a surprise to me that Rutschman's going to spend a good chunk of this season at double A, maybe get a taste of AAA and then move up. But he'll be in the big leagues, whether it's late in 21 or, or right out of the shoot in 22. The home run, and I have not. I, I just picked you up following you now on Twitter. You've tw- uh, posted on Twitter uh, your call, but you got to call the home run last night. Maybe, John, if you can find it and bring it up, we'll play it before we're done here. But tell me a little bit about the – the excitement level, I haven't heard it yet in your own call, but what a moment like that. You said it's a sign of things to come, you hope, but the first pitch that he sees last night, goodbye. What was that like to call? Oh, my goodness, so much fun, so unique. I mean, the, the weirdest thing for me in all of this is that I'm the longest-standing Orioles minor league broadcaster uh, going back towards 2007, <laughs> and here we are sitting at our home radio booth watching it on TV. Right. Uh, we don't have the ability to sync up sound. So if you listen to this home run call, the thing that stands out is you won't hear the crack of the bat. We just have, like, fake, you know, baseball <laughs> crowd noise going in the background, and we're broadcasting a game off of a muted TV. So it, it's a very, very unusual setup. Uh, but you know what? It's 2021. We're all doing uh, what is the best we can do. And for me, I mean, it was extremely exciting. Uh, this is uh, a long run of great prospects we've seen through the organization over the years. But in the same regard, Rutschman is something different. I mean, he is only the second number one pick overall. And uh, because of what he represents to this new regime, it's kind of uh, – the wave of hope, and, and the Orioles do have a good group of young players uh, that are basically now rookies or second-year players in the big. So when Rutschman makes it to the major leagues, the hope is that he might be that piece, very similar to what Manny Machado was for the Orioles in 2012, where Machado came up for a team that was kind of hanging around in contention, and then when he came to them in August of 12. They just took off, and they were a wild-card team and gave the Yankees a real run for their money in the postseason that year. I think there's a hope that Rutschman could be a big-time spark for a team that's actually a decent team uh, when Adley gets up to it. And, uh, but for me personally, it was extremely exciting. And, and what stood out to me about last night with Adley is that he had two extra base hits, mm-hmm. and both of them were hit to the opposite field. Yeah, uh, that's great. Uh, I've seen the video. I look forward to hearing your call. Uh, Adam Pohl, the voice of the Bowie Bay Sox, joining us. I noticed in the box score and was glad. I knew that when uh, we saw the assignments and and the composition of the rosters for this now-changed minor league season everywhere you look, but Caden Grenier, Caden Grenier at second base, to see those two together again, they meant, as you can understand, Adam, so much to all of us out <laughs> here. What about Caden? I realize that his star, you know, getting drafted and all of that wouldn't be as bright as Adley's. We understand that. But do you have a feel or a sense about what the organization thinks of Caden's prospects and his second base 
what, his position in the organization going forward, or what can you tell us about that? Yeah, I think that Caden really is going to be the starting shortstop, though, in Bowie okay. for the majority of the season. I think that they want to give him a look in both spots. Uh, last night they played a veteran at short and uh, played Caden uh, at second base, but I think that he's going to play mostly at shortstop. For the Bay Sox, he was a first-round supplemental pick, so he was given a lot of money. So, uh, you know, the Orioles organization is very invested in him. Uh, he would, though. He was drafted by the previous regime, so you do wonder mm-hmm. uh, about that. That's always tough, you know, when you get drafted by an organization and then everybody in the organization that makes, uh, makes decisions on players changes right you know, immediately after you were, you were picked. But here's what stands out to me about Grenier is that, you know, when people look at ballplayers, they just look, oh, what is he hitting, right? And he's playing a position, much like Rutschman, to be honest, where your offensive productivity is not the sole decider as to if you're going to be a big league ball player. Right. And when you look at the Orioles right now, the Orioles have great young depth in the outfield. They have got a ton of guys that profile as like a number three to number five starting pitcher in the big league. So it's going to be a battle between a lot of players to try to be, you know, kind of a back-end rotation guy in the years to come. But they really don't have many prospects uh, up the middle. And Grenier could fill that void. Now, in his first two professional seasons in 18 and 19, he was a 236 hitter. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to get it done right, doing right. that at the single-A level. But the reality is when you're a pretty good defender, if he could even hit 260 or 270, have a 330-340 on base in Bowie, he's a guy that could be in the big leagues pretty quickly. So he obviously has to take a, a, a pretty significant step forward offensively to, to become a guy like that, but, but it, it happens all the time. And a lot of times, guys that get humbled quickly, they hit a wall, you know, they're going to hit a wall sometime in their career. And for Grinder, he was an outstanding collegiate ball player, obviously a hero at Oregon State yes. for that hit in game two of the 18 College World Series. But he undoubtedly hit a wall in Class A Delmarva uh, offensively in 2019, had a whole year to think about it in 2020. And he's off to a good start, albeit three games into 21 at the AA level. It's a huge opportunity because right now uh, that second base and shortstop position in the future for Baltimore, it it is a wide-open competition. That's great to hear. Adam, we appreciate your time. We're going to take a break on that note, but we'll be following you and your calls and and both of our – two of our big heroes out of Oregon State Beaver Baseball (laughs) with Bowie this this summer. Thanks for making time for us. Nice to meet you and look forward to talking to you again. Thank you so much. Our boys look good in black and orange. Yeah, still, it's, it's the best combo. Thanks a lot, Adam. Great talking to you. Adam Pohl, the voice of the Bowie Bay Sox. Andrew Moore for a quick visit. Next, we'll get an update from Andrew. He's rehabbing a little bit. We want to get an update for his prospects with the Tigers organization next on 1240 Joe Radio. 
Stargazer Premier Florist knows flowers are a beautiful way to make mothers feel loved and appreciated, especially now. And they're ready to help deliver them the best arrangement possible. Choose from Stargazer's wide selection of Mother's Day flower arrangements, and they'll deliver a beautiful, unique gift right on time. Stargazer is providing no-contact deliveries while maintaining cleanliness and health safety in the shop. So stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection of Mother's Day arrangements online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, located at 925 Northwest Circle Boulevard in Corvallis. Middleton Heating has served the Mid-Valley for over 72 years and is still here to help you 24 hours a day. Middleton can repair, replace, or maintain all types of heating and cooling equipment. AC causing you trouble? Need repairs or replacement? Give Middleton Heating a call. For new equipment, Middleton offers several financing options and participates in state, federal, and manufacturer incentive programs. And don't forget Middleton's custom sheet metal shop is still taking orders, large or small. You can count on Middleton for all your heating, cooling, and sheet metal needs online at middletonheating.net we continue on the joe beaver show and let's just jump right into it getting off the phone with adam Poole, the voice of uh, the Bowie bay Sox, talking about adley's homer last night caden grenier playing at second base going one for three and we're just going to stay on the track of our favorite sons and people that uh, we've had the honor of meeting and calling games for through the years and one of our all-time good friends is Andrew Moore, who joins us from Florida for an update on what's happening in his life and career. Andrew, our time is short, but thanks for making time for us. How are you? What's going on with your family and what what's happening in Florida? we got to get at this fairly quickly. Uh, how's it going, you guys? Thanks Great. for having me on. But uh, Yeah, signed with the Tigers. I uh, was out here with uh, Matt Boyd in spring, and then went out to Toledo to the alt site, and then unfortunately hurt my groin last week, so I'm back here rehabbing right now. Um, Taylor and Halia are back in Texas, so they're uh, doing great out there. She's six and a half months old now, and wow. already up to no good all the time, <laughs> so uh, she's growing real quick. But um, yeah, everything is great. I'm uh, uh, glad to finally link up. I know, Mike, we've been trying yes. for a couple of weeks to get me on and finally uh, finally got it to work. So appreciate you having me on. Well, we appreciate you always, Andrew. So what is the extent? I mean, how, what are you sensing on the rehab front? How much time roughly? Uh, we're getting pretty close. It, um, it happened in third inning of a game against the Indians, and uh, it seemed like it was going to be pretty bad. I felt a big pop and couldn't lift my leg for a couple of days at all. Um, and then it quickly started getting better, and then uh, actually threw for the first time in a couple weeks yesterday, and then today went out and got some long toss in. So hopefully get on the mound next week and then um, get back onto the field real soon. But, uh, yeah, definitely seen a lot of progress, which is uh, definitely encouraging. Speaking of encouraging, were you encouraged that the opportunity with – let's take the injury out for a moment. You'll work through that. How about this as an opportunity for you and that organization to be assigned to AAA out of the gate? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was uh, really happy with the Reds last year. Didn't get to pitch for them at all, but, um, you know, through the coaches and uh, some of the other players was able to make some great improvements and adjustments. And then, um, you know, the Tigers saw something in me that they liked and yeah, gave me a great opportunity and then got to throw in a few big league games in spring and, uh, fared pretty well, so yeah, I think I definitely um, 
made a good first impression, and then, you know, I was ready to get going out of the gate, but uh, obviously that didn't happen. So now I just got to get healthy and then um, getting ready for a great year coming up when I get back on the mound. Andrew, what about the adjustments you talk about? I mean, in this age of ridiculous velo, and I see guys 97, 98 on a, a lot of them in that mode, what's happening with you in that respect, but you've always been able to pitch you know, and, and hit your spots and change speeds and do all the things that pitching's all about, what adjustments to all of that, if any, have you made to, to help you, even if you don't get to – to 98 on a regular basis to get people to get people out in the big leagues again. Yeah, yeah, fastball velocity is definitely uh, taken off quite a bit. But um, for me, my velo was up a little bit, so I got I think 95 and just about wow. every outing, so that was encouraging. Good. Uh, added the splitter last year. I think we had talked yeah. about uh, that. Actually, ended up being quite a a pretty good weapon unexpectedly, and that's been my best pitch thus far. Uh, the cutter that I added has been uh, pretty good against righties. And then um, just mixing in change-ups and curveballs. But like you said, I'm never going to blow people away with uh, velocity or overall stuff. So it just gets back to, um, you know, getting in the mindset of executing pitches and um, a good steady mix of all the pitches. So I think just kind of going back to the basics and, like you said, the stuff that made me good uh, – was really important, and that's kind of what the Reds, um, you know, instilled in me and helped me get back to. And um, really happy with where I'm at right now. So excited for for the games to start counting and get back on the mound. Jake Fenix is my pregame show guest for today. He pitched well at UCLA this past Sunday. He said just this spring in the last six weeks, he's added a slider to his repertoire. He'd never thrown it, but he's got a feel for it. I'm wondering for you, Andrew, about a splitter and a cutter and adding that in after all these years, how, what the feel is like and how, how those pitches have helped you. Uh, the reason I love those pitches is because they're <laughs> honestly really isn't too much feel, especially with the splitter, just split it. And then I'm just throwing it as hard as I possibly can, like a fastball down the middle. Um, and the cutter is pretty much the same way. It's all, all in the grip uh, where, you know, curveballs or sliders or some of those pitches, you have to get a feel for, mm-hmm. um, you know, how you're moving your hands, how you're manipulating the spin on the ball. So um, I like those pitches because it kind of simplifies it um, and just gets me into a compete mindset as opposed to, um, you know, trying to mess with different release points and everything. So uh, it starts pretty well off my fastball and, um, you know, I'm keeping them, uh, in the zone, which is good, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how they work once the once the season gets going for me. And Andrew, the final thing you mentioned—I mean, six and a half months. So, I mean, you've already talked to me about it. It's, it's almost <laughs> sad how quickly it's all going. I mean, you're blessed, but it does go fast, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It definitely does. It's hard being away from her, and um, you know, Taylor's doing an incredible job, and her family's been out there to help, but. Um, yeah, it's, uh, she's already learning how to how to stand up. She's crawling all over the place. She's starting to say mom and dad. So, yeah, she's uh, growing real quick. And like you said, it's uh, definitely fun and really happy she's healthy and yeah. Um, she's growing, but it's kind of sad. I missed the days when she was just a just a little girl. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, well, so we're you know very fortunate and very blessed to have her. Yeah, God bless you guys. That's awesome to hear. Andrew, how how cool was it 
to see Matt Boyd again and to connect with him and to spend time with him? Man, he was awesome. He, uh, yeah, right when I signed, he got a hold of me and we had a good talk. And uh, during spring, um, I was hoping to pick his brain a little bit, but uh, we didn't cross test too much since I was in the mini camp and he was in major league camp. But I mean, he's just one of those guys that you know everyone wants on your side. He's you know one of the best human beings and. What him and Ashley are doing with their foundations, incredible as well. So, um, you know, he had a great start to the year as well, and hopefully he can get back on the mound soon. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how long he's out for, but, um, yeah, I mean, he's just one of those guys that you just love being around and he's so easy to root for. So, yeah, yeah that was awesome getting to reconnect with him. Andrew, thanks for making time for us. Uh, it, we have been trying. We'll have a longer conversation here down the road when you get back on the bump and in Toledo and at AAA, but that's just a, a phone call away from getting back to the major leagues, and we look forward to that maybe you know as this summer plays out. Thank you for taking time for us, Andrew. It's always good to connect with you, and we'll do it again down the road. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Sounds good, you guys. Go Beefs. Andrew Moore. Always signing off with a Go Beavs, as he's been doing since I interviewed him at North Eugene High School. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Speaking of time going by. Man. Spring of 2012, I knew Andrew was pitching in a playoff game and went down. I interviewed him. You played it on the Clue Morning Update. I think we played it on the Joe Beavers This show, show, I remember North playing Eugene that interview. High School. Yeah, I remember playing it right here. That was nine years ago. Yeah. Now he's in the pros, he's married, has a six has and a, a half month old child. daughter, and I believe we'll get back to the big leagues. Hey, I we've hope had a so. fun day today, Doc. Good show with uh, outstanding guests in uh, Mark Leslie, Tim Ewis, Adam Poole from Bowie, Andrew Moore. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Baseball today at 3.30, Jake Fennigs and Mitch Canham on the pregame. All set, please. Here's the microphone. This thing on. This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on at 5. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio.